Welcome to Nice Ashes. I'm Mike. And I'm Nate. What are we smoking today, Mike? We are smoking a Rocky Patel Vintage 2003 Cameroon. Nice. There's a bit of spice on the cap. See, I thought mine was a little sour. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, uh, I thought mine was sour, like the mouth taste. Okay, it felt it tasted a little spicy to me, but uh, I I, I want to mention this too before we get into it is when I took the plastic wrapper off the stick, both the labels came off inside the wrapper. Not a big deal Interesting. for me because they come off, you know, they're supposed to come off later anyway, but just wanted to full disclosure. Interesting. <laughs> Sounded like our friend, the voice of the matriarchy. Yes, our friend, the voice of the matriarchy, came over and closed the door. Somehow the dog got it open. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> well, you know, but for the listeners, my uh, studio here, let's call it, has a paddle handle. So the dog can actually open it if she really wanted to. Yeah. Uh, but she was staring in on me and nudging the door open from the inside. <laughs> well, what are your initial thoughts on this one, Mike? Uh it's a little spicy, but it's got like an acid note. Mine does. Yeah. Like an acidity. Yeah. Like when I and I wet it, uh, the cap was, I tasted the spice, but it's got some kind of like back note that's not yeah. entirely pleasant, but it's still early in the cigar, so no big deal. I would not call it pleasant. I may have to pause in the middle of the episode and grab a glass of whiskey okay. um, to knock that note down. So yep. today I'm pairing with water, um, like ice water. Yep. And... Uh, yeah, I might need something to actually knock that note down if it doesn't go away. Yeah, I am drinking a, uh, I believe it's eucalyptus lemon honey tea. Uh, with, I put some honey in there, and then I put a nice splash of whiskey in there. I've, I had chills last night for most of the night, and you might be able to tell my voice is a little uh, nasally or dry. I'm hoping it's just the weird weather we've been having, but uh, figured I'd start with this like kind of immunity tea. With some whiskey, of course. I had somebody that's a coworker that swore by drinking warm whiskey with honey in it to take care of any kind of throat issues. So don't know sure. how accurate that is, but well, that's similar to a hot toddy, and yeah. I've known a number of people that swear by hot toddies for colds. Yeah, uh, and there might be something to it because it has the acid and the alcohol, and that'll kill all the bacteria in the back of your throat. Yeah. And uh, it tastes nice. And of course, it makes you a little intoxicated. So you'll fall asleep, you know, pretty yep. quick. Yep. So. Yeah. You said something about the uh, the warm whiskey and the honey coating the back of your throat and letting the whiskey soak in. So. Ah, sure. I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, whatever, whatever, you know, but. Right. Anyway, it that's, seems that's to why make me I'm feel drinking better. what I'm drinking. So. <laughs> right. It makes me feel better when I'm sick. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what matters. So what are we talking about today, Nate? Well, we're going to do a double whammy on, uh, I guess I would call them not politically correct movies. So we're going to do, we're going to start with an older one, not as old as Blazing Saddles. So everybody rest easy. I think back to, <laughs> to what, 2005, 2004-ish, 2005-ish, somewhere in there? Something like that. It was new and, when, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then we're going to do a brand new one. That's been, I don't know, it, it hasn't really gotten a whole lot of buzz, but people that are kind of embracing the anti-wokeness have been championing this this film, uh, this newer one that we're about to do, and I have thoughts on it. Mike and I haven't really discussed either of these movies in specific depths. Uh, we've talked about the first one we're about to talk about in the sense of, you know, two people that enjoy the film. Uh, kind of talking about some of the highlights, but we've not really gone through and said any of our thoughts or opinions or things of that nature. And is it fair to say, Mike, this first movie is one of your favorite films? I would say that that's fair. Yeah, I love this movie. It uh, was a box office flop. I think that yeah. Fox killed it on purpose because they didn't like the messaging. And I was part of the first generation of people to like make it a quote-unquote cult classic, yeah. if you want to call it that. Because I was in college... At the time when this was released onto DVD, you know, and of course I own a DVD copy of it. I don't know if they even sell it in Blu-ray, to be honest with you. But uh, um, yeah, I don't know if they they probably did. They probably did release it. I think it's in HD or you know full HD on the streaming services. A lot of times that'll happen, even if it never got a physical release in HD. Sure. Well, I looked online, and there's no place that's streaming it for free. 
you have to rent it online. But of course, I have a DVD copy, so I watched it on DVD. Yes, yes. But I know it was streaming on Hulu, but okay. I have the feeling that Disney took it down because it... Uh, yeah, I yeah. think I watched it on uh, Tubi. It was on Tubi for a little bit. I looked for it on Tubi today, and it was not okay. on there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was on there, but they uh Tubi only has certain titles on for so many so many days before they their viewing or their streaming rights uh lapse or something. I'm not entirely sure how it works, but Right. Yeah, I even looked for it on um YouTube and there's two people that did commentaries for the movie for the entire length of the movie, but there's no okay. like video of the movie. It's the goofiest yep. thing. Yeah. It's also out there on other other websites for your viewing oh. pleasure, so Absolutely. But, uh, should we Absolutely. stop? Should we stop beating around the bush and teasing our listeners and tell them what film this is, Mike? Absolutely. We are talking about the cult classic Idiocracy. Welcome to Costco. Uh-uh. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Costco. Oh man, dude, there's so many um, there's so great, great one liners. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. we got her off on a horn license. <laughs> <laughs> So why don't you, uh, for people that haven't seen Idiocracy, it's, it's a little bit older film. It's Luke Wilson, right? Yep. Luke Wilson, Maya Rudolph, uh, Dax Shepard, and uh, Dwayne Elizondo Camacho, uh, Terry Crews. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, bring us a run through of kind of the, the plot, and then we'll get into kind of talking about it. And then we'll talk about our other movie, which is, I guess, as politically correct as, th- as this one is. Yes, yes. Uh, I would say that this movie was, it wasn't necessarily being purposefully politically incorrect. It was just trying to make fun of trends in the culture that yeah, a I mean, lot it's, of, it's... which continued on, and now it's like foretelling the future. Yeah, right? and that's the one thing is, you know, Idiocracy is supposed to be a comedy movie, not a documentary, and... At the time that they made the film, and it's Christopher Guest, right? The director, and he did... Um, was it Christopher Guest, or was it Mike... Oh, oh, Mike Judge. Christopher Guest direct? I thought it was Mike Judge. I know yeah, Mike, Mike Judge, Judge wrote it. Okay, yeah, Mike Judge. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, but it was, you know, it's a, it's a farcical... I would say it's like a farcical time travel romp. You know what I mean? It is. But they leaned heavy into the farcical aspects of what they extrapolated out for how they thought... Humanity would be in, I believe it's 500 years. He gets frozen for 500 years. Yeah, it's 500 years. So brief plot synopsis, military experiment to freeze bodies long term uh, with the goal of taking their elite fighters and extending their useful time frame. Uh, So they put a prostitute and uh, army loser that are quote unquote well, average. It's, yeah, average. It's not, it's, to be fair, it's not an army loser. They found the two most average people they could find. They did all these uh, statistics and things. Yes, right? they have the stats and they have the average blood pressure, and they average to find, IQ. Like, the most average. And when you meet Luke Wilson, he's doing like a computer job, but watching TV or something. And they're like, hey, you got a, you got a new assignment. And he's like, well, can't I just sit here and watch TV? <laughs> they're like, yeah, oh, somebody else he's managing a library on a military base. That's what he's, yeah. Yeah, he's he's yeah, doing yeah. nothing with his life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so the, the experiment gets botched. It's constant one-liners with upgrade and, uh, you know, yeah, the yeah. it's a corrupt so, program. So him and Maya Rudolph go into these pods, and then the program gets shut down because the guy in charge of it got too involved with upgrade and, like, the pimping yep. industry. And they shut it down and then forgot about it and like sealed up the room. And, and then 500 years go by and they, uh, they pop out and have to adapt to the new reality. Yes, of 2505. And uh, hilarity ensues. And uh, like Luke Wilson immediately thinks that he's having drug-induced hallucinations. Yep. And uh, Maya Rudolph somehow doesn't – she just thinks that the world has changed that radically because she's – like a prostitute, so from her perspective, yeah, like the streets str- aren't street that much person. different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, who was who was the first guy that Luke Wilson ran into? Dax Shepard, his lawyer. Dax Shepard. Yeah, 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 yeah. What yeah, was yeah. his name in the What was his name in the movie? I can't remember. Uh oh, dang it! No, you're gonna have to make me look it up. It's something stupid. <laughs> they all have stupid names. Yeah, yeah, they all have stupid names. But he, so he's like, he runs into this guy or into his apartment or something, breaks through the window. I don't know. Oh, it's Enrico um, Bendejo. 
Oh yeah, that's yeah, his yeah. Name. <laughs> and uh, they've all got big gulps, right? And he's on this big, like, lazy boy chair watching TV, and it's like the dumbest programming ever. And it's got a toilet built right in because he like flushes and stands up, and he's like, "Hey, what are you doing at my house, man?" Yep. Ouch my balls. Talk. Yeah, yeah. Ouch my balls. And they talk. Uh, <laughs> And they have some kind of, uh, it's like, what, Southern slang kind of thing that kind of took over the So uh, it's societal Valley Girl, various kinds of crunk, uh, inner city slang, and uh, something else that all get blended together. So yeah, yeah. they're speaking of dialect mixed with all of these sub-dialect street languages that is actually hilarious, and I, ever, I can understand exactly what they're saying. Yeah. Even though it sounds dumb as shit. Oh, yeah, but that's the point. Yeah, it's supposed to sound ridiculous, but yeah, it's yeah, and he, funny. It's uh, he doesn't have the the barcode on his wrist or whatever for mm-hmm. citizenship identification, so he gets arrested and goes to trial. But because he can form a sentence, that, that basically loses him the case. Because <laughs> yes, so in two thousand five, it was still acceptable to call people fags, yeah, uh, as a not not like a homophobic slur, but as like a, a way to say that you're being negative somehow or like you're an idiot or a wuss or whatever and yeah, they all of these other terms that now you can't say yeah I'm oh not yeah saying we should i'm not saying we should bring back these terms i'm just saying like it was a different era these are the movies words not our personal beliefs and words right yeah yeah he like goes to the doctor and the doctor says he's doing fag talk <laughs> yep yep and he's, he's like, like he puts oh you're just this eloquent yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And he puts together this, uh, or what do you say? He's like, oh, yeah, you're tarted like my wife. And now she's a pilot. Or something. Yeah, no, my ex-wife. Yeah, you're you're yeah. tarted like my ex-wife. Man, yeah, today, now nowadays, tards can leave real <laughs> kick-ass lives. She's a pilot yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, and that was that was Justin Long, wasn't it? He made a little cameo in there, I think. And mm-hmm. uh, But yeah, so he put together this eloquent defense of himself in the courtroom. And, uh, and the response to that was, there he goes, he's in that fag talk again. And so they sent him to jail. But he talked his way out of jail because he's like, oh, I'm not supposed to be here. And they're like, oh, well, there's the exit over there. <laughs> yep. And then he runs out the door and the automatic machine guns shoot each other. Yep. <laughs> there's a lot of small details in the movie that if, yes. if you enjoy that sort of thing, it's very small details just constantly. Yes. Like uh, the hospital is St. God's Hospital. Yeah. But the last like four letters of hospital are going straight down the side of the hospital like they ran out of room on a piece of paper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was a great uh, – the way that these uh, experimental pods were uncovered was it was the great garbage avalanche of 2505. Yeah. Because they're just piling their garbage in the middle of a city instead of disposing of it. So and they like uh, they only drink Brando. Yeah, they only drink Brando, the thirst mutilator. Yeah, it's got electrolytes. But there's <laughs> a whole what... like there's a whole seed where he's like, yeah, but what does that mean? And they're like, well, it's got electrolytes. He's like, yes, I understand that, but what do you mean by electrolytes? And he's like, and what? everybody else is like, well, they got them. Yeah, it's it's, got it's, got, it's what it's what plants crave. Yeah, what do plants crave? Brando. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, he gets and sent it had to prison. The, uh, the Wendy's self serve booth. Hardy's, Carl's Jr. Or Hardy's, yeah, Carl's yeah, Jr. Carl's yeah, Jr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the self serve booth. actually isn't and... too far off from uh, nowadays. You know, you go to no. McDonald's and you order your own thing and then it pops out. And... Yeah. Yeah, so you get sent to prison. One of the best lines of the movie is, what are we doing here? He's like, well, sir, you have to take an IQ test so you can have a jail job. So you can be an individual particular in jail. <laughs> yep, yep. And then, and then the IQ test is like, put a triangle shape in a triangle hole. And the guy next to him can't do it. And he's like, are you, he's like, look at her out. Like, are you serious? Yeah. And they're like trying to hide their results. <laughs> yeah. He's like, a, yeah. Like he's cheating off of them. Like mm-hmm. put the triangle in the hole. And so he ends up with like the highest IQ anyone's ever seen, but he's just average from, you know, 2005. So. Right. Yeah. The, the, the first question was, if you have one bucket with two gallons and a second bucket with five gallons, how many buckets do you have? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it took him a while because so, he thought it was like a trick question. Yeah, he was like looking around, he was like, like what? He's like, is this a trick question or not? <laughs> so, and then I think the Costco scene is hilarious too. And they're like, well, we'll go to the Costco or something. And then it takes up I don't know how many square miles this Costco. Yeah, it was an hour walk to the train inside of the Costco. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Costco. I love you. <laughs> Classic. And everybody's wearing Crocs, but it was before Crocs blew up. Yep. That was one of the things that Mike Judge said that he was afraid of because he hated these plastic, horrible shoes. 
yep. but they blew up real popular after the movie was made. Yes. So, and, and I've never worn Crocs a pair of Crocs. Yeah. I have a pair. I uh, my wife got them for me, and I like them. I use them mostly as like outdoor summer slippers instead of you know like the fake fur lined winter slippers. So. Right. You don't have wedding Crocs? I don't. uh, No, I don't. And I don't have any bling for my Crocs because there's a whole like subculture now of um, you can get bling for your Crocs that stick in the little holes there and you get little like charms and dobbles, bobbles, things like that. I have a great life hack for Crocs. We can talk about that next episode. (laughs) (laughs) So, but yeah, and then everything I say, everything's in the small details. All the background stuff is all. Ah, uh, hilarious. And that's a yeah. lot of the joy of the movie is the a background. A lot of the stuff, yeah. The hospital seat is hilarious because they bring them to this room that's got kind of like all the treatments right there. And they give him two probes. He's like, okay, this one goes to your mouth or this one goes to your butt. And he looks at him. And so he does. And he's like, oh, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. This one goes in your mouth. And he pulls the one out of his butt. <laughs> and he's like, this one goes in your butt. <laughs> and uh, the receptionist at the hospital, he's like, He's like, I, uh, he's trying to explain what's wrong with them. And she's looking at all like the pictograms, right? And it's like pregnant with a baby or like gunshot wound, but it's, they're all like pictograms, not even words. And she's trying to look for the right button to push <laughs> to tell him where to go. Yep. Which it feels like that in the hospitals. And they have brands. Uh, so I watched an interview with Mike Judge. Okay. Yeah. And uh, he didn't have all of the brands in the movie that initially he was yep. advised by lawyers. He had to add more. Because he was making so much fun of Starbucks and uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken and Fuddruckers that he needed to just pile on more so that he couldn't get sued. (laughs) Everything's been devolved in society down to like sex and money. You know, the worst uh, parts of our culture. I I will say there's not enough. Depending. Right. There's a lot of fat people, but there's not enough fat people given like the big gulps of pop that everybody seems to be having. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of Brando. Yeah. Well, they had yep. that and Nasty. They yep. yep, they did. Yeah. I'm not sure if you noticed that. They oh, have no, Nasty. Did, yeah. yeah. And they have like uh, <laughs> all of their clothes or like the clothes that he gets to wear have like, I don't I don't remember if it was like, sna- or no, it was Nasty. Like uh, it was all like just the logo plastered all over for the design of the shirt. Yep. Yeah, yeah. The shirts are like just a series of logos yeah, and like uh, almost, they're all polyester. Like NASCAR coats almost, yep. you know. Yep. Everything is like. 100% plastic. And then if you have a job, they'll have the na- the title of your job on the sleeve of your shirt. Did you notice that detail? No, oh, uh, I don't think so. I mean, I watched it um, two nights in a row because I watched it myself to reacquaint myself with it before doing this episode. And then the next night I told Sarah that I watched it. And she's like, well, I want to see it too. So we watched it again. My Sarah made me go to the basement today and watch <laughs> it because she hates it. And I've seen it, I don't know, since like... When I first saw it, I think it was 2006, 2007, yeah. whenever it came out on DVD, yeah. because I never saw it in theater. And then I've been watching it a couple times a year every year. I fucking love this yeah. movie. But yeah. yeah, like the Secretary of Defense or like if you're an attorney at law on their long sleeve yeah. polyester shirts, it'll have okay. attorney at law or uh, vice president. Well, like the, the secretary and stuff, they all have these like gigantic medals they have to wear on their neck, right? Mm-hmm. With their job title on it. Yep. Yeah, the, 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 those are medals of office. And then, yeah. yeah. Medals of office. Yeah, yeah. Like then, the judge will have judge on their sleeve. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's and then he's trying to, like, not have to go back to jail and stuff. And so he's making these promises. And they're like, well, he's going to fix our plants or something. And he's like, I don't know anything about plants. But they've been watering the crops with Brondo. And so he's like, we should switch it to water. They're like, what? Like, don't you have water? And they're like, you mean you mean the stuff in our toilets? <laughs> yep. And then yeah. there was, it was funny because they didn't really focus on the toilet in the Lazy Boy recliner very much, but you hear like a, a quiet flush. And then there's a scene where he's talking, Enrico or whatever is, in, is talking to Luke Wilson's character, and he like sits down again and then flushes again, like in the middle of the conversation, <laughs> and then stands yeah. back up and keeps talking. Yeah. I really like sex and money. Yeah, yeah, Enrico, I think a lot of people do. Not like me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that uh, uh, my Rudolph's character, the prostitute, is having a heyday because she's getting all these people to pay her for sex of the future. Right. Is yeah, she's manipulating actually, like, these. Sleeping with any of them. She's like, well, you pay me now and maybe I can fit you in later. And they're like, that sounds like a good deal. I like sex. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's just manipulating all these moronic men on the street. 
And uh, it's hilarious. Yeah. Hey, the boys and I were thinking, can we go family style on her? Like, holy fuck. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That was like the dawn of like the stepsister, stepbrother porn, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which apparently. Yeah. And then what? Oh, yeah. His his name. So he actually has to go and get his barcode tattooed. And his name is like no um or something. Not sure. Oh, yeah. Not sure. That's right. Not sure. And then, uh, yeah, instead of uh, Joe, whatever his name is, I can't remember yeah. his last name, Joe Bauer, but yeah. yeah, not sure. It's secretary, not sure, ma'am. Yep. <laughs> Joe, what the hell is going on? <laughs> but yeah, in the, be- in, the, in the beginning, too, it starts off and it, and it uh, kind of bookends the film with this, is they were saying that smart people, like in 2005, when, it, when the first part of it takes place, we're waiting to have kids, whereas poor, uneducated people were just popping kids out like crazy. Yep. And so yeah, that's, they have how their... they, that's how they explained like the gradual dumbing down over the course of 500 years. Yeah, they had the family line of Cletus and all of his brood of kids. Yeah, yeah. And, all and the, then like girlfriends. And... <laughs> yeah. Then the couple with the IQ of 138 and 141, where yeah. he dies of a heart attack jerking off yeah. into a cup because they waited too long to have kids. Yep. <laughs> So it's good. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, you should check it out. If it sounds like something you're into, uh, it's defi- definitely not for everybody. It's not for everybody. I think it's hilarious. Sarah hates yeah, it. It's. I think it's hilarious. It's like I say, she hates it so much. I had to go into the basement and watch it in the basement because <laughs> she will not watch it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So after he switches everybody over to water for crops because they had a big they, apparently people were starving to death they wanted him to fix the economy they call it economy yeah. that's yeah. one of the big jokes or gags is that he's they use all the childlike misusings of words yeah like you know? edumacation or whatever right it's even more better yeah, <laughs> yeah stupid <laughs> stuff like that it's yep. just constant, you know. But anyway, so they, they apparently 50% of the workforce in that economy is working for Brondo because they have Brondo pumping to like every water fountain. Yeah. And uh, so they all lose their jobs. So there's street riots. So they put him into another court case where he's found guilty, uh, where they have Fox News and the Fox, the presenters are just like nude, extremely ripped people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then they put him into rehabilitation for a single night. And then we find out that it is basically a monster truck show where they execute criminals on TV with monster trucks. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, hilarity ensues with that. Uh, Of course, they build their monster trucks uh, too big to get into the stadium and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that he uh, survives that incident because the crops start to grow. And then they have I don't know if you noticed this detail, but he became vice president and then president. And then he had like three kids. Yep. They're the three yep. smartest kids on the planet. Yep. And then Enrico had 24 kids and they were yes. the 24 <laughs> toughest kids. Yeah, because that was the bookend of the opening, you know, the beginning yep. where it was smart people only have, you know, so many kids. Yep. So I think I'm about halfway with the cigar, Mike. What are your thoughts? Uh, you know what? I'm not disappointed. I thought it was going to be a stinker, but it's turned out to be really good. Yeah. Uh, in my it, opinion. It, um, the first, the first, you know, I don't know, half inch or so wasn't the greatest but that's perfectly in line with a lot of the cigars that we smoke you know the first first little bit you got to get through that so yep yeah now it's kind of spicy and uh not too strong kind of mellow yep, yep. i want to ask you one more question about idiocracy before we close it up did you watch right. it until the credits were done uh, i don't think so Is so there an after the credit scene there's an after the credit scene. Okay. And it's a running gag that Maya Rudolph is going to be afraid that her pimp upgrade upgrade yep. is going to come into the future to get his money because she wasn't paying him for prostituting for a year. Yep. And there's a scene where upgrade pops out of one of the, the uh, okay. stasis cells and he walks out and he's like, I'm going to get me my money. He starts walking. Down the street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Classic. I've seen the movie a few times, if you couldn't tell. Yes, yes. For those who are listening. I remember seeing it probably when it first came out on DVD and stuff, you know, and then Mm -hmm. I didn't watch it again until, I don't know, like a month ago. So Yeah, I watched it for the first time uh, when when Netflix still was like the DVD service that sent DVDs to your house. Yep, yep, yep. That's probably where I saw it, too, because I remember I I had the DVDs coming. Yeah, I may or may not have had two illegal copies made of that film and i burned both of them out watching them and traveling yeah. 
Then I had to yeah. buy the actual DVD. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So. Yes, indeed. All right. So the next film we're talking about, and we really kind of just picked these two because we always wanted to talk about Idiocracy on the show. Yes. And without going full on into it, you know, it takes about half an hour to talk about Idiocracy, which is about where we're at. And we want to talk about another one. And this other one has kind of been billed as like the anti-woke. And there's this whole like go woke, go broke kind of rumblings on the Internet, mostly in regard to uh, everything Disney puts out. But, you know, other studios do as well. I guess most other studios are also owned by Disney, like Marvel, the Marvels and other things. So, right. They're going with the too big to fail model where. Yeah. No matter how many failures they have, they only need a couple real big successes, which I think they failed to do this year. Well, even um, the failures are fine for them because it's big tax write-offs for them, so they don't really care, I don't think. It can be, and things like Snow White, all they want to do is renew the license on the original property because it's 85 yeah. years old. And That's they all have their, to all their live-action remakes, and we've talked about this, they, they have to make another film based on the original film to extend that original film's copyright. So that's why they don't try and make these live action remakes any good, even though they have the money to make them good. They just refuse. Right. They do the cheapest thing they can to extend the copyright. They don't need to, especially when they're making movies for kids, because kids are dumb and they'll like whatever. Well, yeah. It doesn't need but, to be good. You but know, they could. I mean, you know, there's so many adults that grew up on Lion King and Aladdin and all these other classic Disney movies, and you put together a great live action, you're going to get everybody loving it. But well, you just do so, the, the cheap, easy way out. It's just kids. So you bring up Lion King, and we could bring up Aladdin with that too, and uh, Beauty and the Beast. And those came out when, like, I remember going to the movie theater for those movies. So yeah, like now they're classics. So uh, I guess we're yeah. old because yeah. we're <laughs> uh, we remember going. I remember going to the theater to watch them. Um, yeah, in the movie that we're going to discuss. I, I yes. remember the scene. I wrote it down. The startup guy, he uh, liberates the jobs, uh, a.k.a. fires every person born before 1988, which I, I thought I was like, 1988. I'm like, holy shit. Are we fucking old in the in, in the Hollywood sphere? We are old now. We are I old guess, people. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you know if you noticed that or if that stuck out to you. But I'm like, 1988 is not that long ago. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was born before 1988. 1988 yep, as well in the in the reality of uh people who are alive right now right yeah. that's a lot of people <laughs> like the majority of the workforce probably was born before 1988 yep. or at least a good portion which, which which startup guy was this the startup guy that bought bill burr's business aspen oh, okay yeah aspen bought their that he the first thing he did was fire everybody that was born before 1988 okay yeah, yeah. Oh, in the in the movie. In the movie. In okay, the movie we didn't that even we are tell. We didn't even discuss. say what movie we were talking about. No, I'm starting it off with just a you little detail. You got me like all weird over here because I didn't. I thought we were talking about like Disney live actions, and you're like, yeah, I remember the startup guy, and I was like, is that what Disney did? No, no, no. I was segueing into the movie here. Segueing okay. into the movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you now. Yes. So you might so. have guessed by Mike's mention of Bill Burr, but the second movie we're talking about is Old Dads. Yes. And I watched this with my Sarah and she enjoyed it, actually. Yeah, I watched it with my Sarah, too. We both enjoyed it. I got to say, though, like everybody's like, oh, it's great because it's the anti-woke and whatever, whatever. But really, like for the first 45 minutes of the movie, Bill Burr's just a giant asshole and you don't really like his character. But I guess that's pretty true to his stand up routines and stuff. So if you're if you like his stand up routines, you probably like the first 45 minutes. But if you want a movie that's more than stand up routines, you're kind of. I was annoyed for a good chunk of the beginning part of the movie. You see, and I liked the first uh, portion of the movie because a lot of the not Bill Burr characters were what you call a cry bully. Yeah, yeah. And it was him having an over-emotional reaction yes. to the constant interactions that he had to have with people who were cry bullies. Yes, which I can't fault him, but he was very asshole about the whole thing, which... Is understandable, but well, he's over the top, Bill Burr character. Yeah, yeah, you know for sure. It's like uh, he was playing a character, right? Like the aggrieved yeah. uh, person that was somewhat being taken advantage of by the wokesters. You know. Yep, yep, yeah. Because he and his buddies founded this vintage sports jersey company thing, 
and then they decided to sell it, so they get their big payout. And then, like you said, the guy that came in was an absolute, I don't know what you would call him. That's He, he was a 27-year-old <laughs> serial entrepreneur tech bro. Yeah. Who was hyper woke. So he uses the lingo to cover up his yeah. evil actions, basically. Yes. But he wasn't necessarily the evil one. It was the company that he was working for or whatever. I don't know. like Because he got a little redemption at the end of the movie. Yes. Well, he was a victim the, of his own. Yeah. He was a victim. He was hoisted his on his own guitar or, or whatever. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the investors or whatever wanted him to do certain things. They had to go find, like they sent, um, I think this might be the scene that Sarah and I talked about the most is um, when they were, they took one of the new guys and they had to go find this homeless guy or something, this rancher guy to be the new face of the company. And they had recordings of the, the car ride where the because there's one black guy and he was asking this, you know, hyper woke, politically correct kid, basically like, look, if you're if you're like, what's your favorite band? Right. Or whatever. Favorite song. And it was I can't remember. It was a rap group. NWA. Right? NWA. And he's yep. like, yeah. So when they say the N word, do you do you sing that word when you're singing all the words or do you skip over it? Or like, what do you do? And the guy is trying to, like, figure out what the least offensive answer would be. But anyway, the point is they had the car somehow with a video recorder in it that they brought back and used to fire Bill Burr and his buddies. And then they had a camera in the the younger employee's apartment where he was singing along to the N-word, and they fired him because of that. And so yes. Vice Air's like, well, can they do that? And I'm like, well, they could probably put a, a recording device in a rental car from the company, but they probably couldn't put one in your apartment, you know, literally uh, speaking. But I'm not so a lawyer, so. The, the gimmick, because I, I was paying attention to that as well. They got the video from the car company because the car company put the camera in to protect yeah. themselves legally in case of an accident. And apparently in the state they were in, they could be legally recorded without their consent. Yep. Okay. And then the kid, the guy, there was a smart he was TV, being recorded it? by his smart TV, and the company bought that data from the manufacturer okay, of yeah, the television. Yeah, yeah. And they, the t smart TVs can and do legally record you in your own home. So, Yeah, varying degrees of legality, I'm sure, depending on your state. Depending on the state that you're in, so. you have different amounts of uh, recourse rights. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and then they end up... Uh, my let me tell you my favorite scene. Can you can you guess, Mike? Uh, no, no, no. All right. I my favorite no scene is after he gets into a fight with his wife because he's basically, uh, well, he's he's rightfully being a dick to his kid's principal or whatever, and it's some kind of like hippie commune school. Private and school. He even, he, yeah. A private school. And he tries to make it up to him and brings in a plant, and then she's like, well, obviously you know that this plant is detrimental to our flora and fauna here in, in this area, and I can't believe that you would imagine to bring this in because it's just like you. And so, you know, like the principal is not a nice person to him. Well, she is the definition of a cry bully because she yeah. uses all of the right PC yeah. language to be oh, yeah. an absolute nasty piece of work, and she uses her privilege as a white, educated woman Yep. To hurt others around her and, and protect a, and a she herself. Her position of power. That yes. She has oh, yeah. The director of this school. Well, anyway, Bill Burr has to go spend the night in a hotel because his wife got mad at him. <laughs> because even though he was trying to make it up to this woman, you know, sometimes in the cases of cry bullies, it's best just to cut your losses and let it be. But anyway, so he's out on the patio in this uh, motel or whatever, and he's smoking a cigar. I didn't catch what type of cigar he was smoking. But he was smoking a cigar out on the balcony area, right? In the common area, people could walk around. And some guy comes and he's he's doing the room service, right? And he's and he's vaping. But this guy's like, Hey, you can't smoke here. And Bill Burr is like, Well, what are you doing? You're smoking and I'm smoking. What's the what's the deal? He goes, No, no, I'm vaping. He's like, Well, smoke's coming out of your mouth, smoke's coming out of my mouth. And you know, the whole point is like, I'm being told I can't smoke by somebody that's smoking. Uh, yeah. I think that was my favorite scene because it really illustrated the ridiculousness of some of this stuff. In, in oh, my right. mind, like it, it's simply and succinctly kind of wrapped up a lot of the conversations 
that I've been privy to or even partaken in with these kind of cry bully people where you just, it's so ridiculous that people would just stop and think. But yeah, the cigar versus vape thing I thought was. That scene is what made my Sarah lose interest in the movie because the woman across the way that was like the racist who backed up <laughs> Bill Burr. Yeah. That's where Sarah was like, I'm, I'm done now. Yeah. I think I ruined was... it too. I'll go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I thought that was that was great because here Bill Burr thought he found an ally, but then it was this racist person. And he was, and I think that is kind of what motivated his character, the, the character arc, to kind of like look at his own actions and be like, wait a second, I'm, I'm getting racists to agree with me? Like maybe, maybe I'm not, you know, I mean, you know, not, I don't think he ever said that he wasn't in the right, but just the way he interacted with these people, you know, because his wife was always telling him just to calm down and to like think before speaking and, you know, just stuff that you should do as a person anyway. Right. And she wasn't much better than him in certain ways. She had a temper no, yeah. and she was oh, yeah. a cry bully and she physically assaulted him and kicked him out of the house. She yeah. locked him out of the house and then she physically assaulted him and physically kicked him out of the house. So, yes. Just saying, if, she, if it was a man doing that to a woman, they would have been arrested. So, yeah. <laughs> I will say that I, I mentioned this to Sarah and it like blew the, it blew her mind. But I told her that like the way that all of the people he was interacting with talked to Bill Burr, because she was like, these people are being assholes, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's exactly how I view how most people talk in like a professional work setting. Right. Yeah. Like that's how they talk. That's what they're saying. It's yeah. kind of crazy. They're being nasty and unpleasant, but they're covering it with pretty language, acceptable yeah. terms. Yeah, niceties and niceties and everything. Because she's into that nicety stuff, and I am not. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and I think like so. My problem, I guess, overall wasn't really to do with the movie at all. But everybody was saying, you know, this old dad's movie is like the answer to the overly woke films and media content coming out, and I didn't really feel like it was a movie designed to necessarily fly in the face of the wokeness, even though it certainly did that. But the overarching like message, I mean, there were a lot of messages, but the overarching message for Bill Burr's character was kind of how to interact with these people, <laughs> these woke people, uh, and not be an asshole about it and not let it get him all riled up to where he's making terrible mistakes or terrible decisions in his life. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. The message is at the very end, he was playing catch with his kids and he's holding the new baby and they're playing catch. And the one guy runs by and is like, hey, do you really think that's safe? Uh, holding a baby while you're playing catch? And he's like, hey, thanks for pointing that out, man. And the guy kept running and Bill Burr kept playing catch with the baby in his, in his hands. So he has to call him a fucking like, asshole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he didn't say it to his face and then. Caused no, he said it like under his breath afterwards, you know, like as the guy right. was out of earshot. So, you know, because there's so many, especially with parenting and stuff, there's so many like. You, I, I hesitate to call them do-gooders, <laughs> uh, but they think they're helping with their advice, but they're really, you know, it's like, come on, you don't know what you're talking about. Even if you have kids, like every kid is different in certain ways. So, and every parenting style is different too. So I feel like kind of the overarching message was, you know, these people are here and yes, they're ridiculous, but you don't have to let them get under your skin. Right. You can't let them get under your, your skin, even though yeah, they're because then obnoxious. then you play into their game. You fall right into their, their game, you know. Right. They want to be the victim. You know, that's like they had a meeting yeah. where there was a white guy that said, I can't believe that this meeting is being dominated by two white men. And the guy's like, aren't you a fucking white man? <laughs> He's like, <laughs> yeah. my DNA results say I'm 3%, whatever the hell it was, Sri Lankan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. It's like, what? <laughs> that was like the Elizabeth Warren thing. Like, yeah, I'm 1% Native American. Like, what? Yeah. yeah. And then they end up, they were going to go to Vegas, him and his two buddies. And uh, well, the one guy's name was what, Mike or something? The black guy? Yeah, Mike. The black guy was Mike. And then. Yeah, and then he got like an alter ego in the strip club joint, but they didn't make it to Vegas because they're old and they were like, we just got to drink and like gamble and strip club stuff. Yep. Which they did. And that's yeah, when they was... met up with the uh, the serial entrepreneur again. And he was there because he got fired from his thing. For being cultural insensitivity to Native Americans. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Because uh, the spirit animal. Yeah. Because that's the, they wanted this guy, this white guy, old white guy who's like a roamer around the Southwest desert or something. Uh, yeah. He's like a trapper face, hobo uh, type character. Yeah. To be the face of the new spirit animal line. And then he's like, oh, I didn't realize that was offensive to Native Americans. <laughs> Yep. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, it was uh now I don't know who the black guy like what he did before, but the other guy 
who had the crazy wife. He was the yep. boyfriend of great of uh, Will on Will and Grace. He was the okay. boyfriend who was the cop. Yeah, he was also uh, one of our favorite characters in Boardwalk Empire. He played a 1920s like gangster. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But Sarah I guess, I guess he does right stand up too. That guy. Oh, okay. To moderate success, but I've never seen any of his stand up. I've only seen him in Boardwalk Empire and other roles. And we're like, oh yeah, it's that guy from Boardwalk Empire. Yep. Yeah, he was a regular cast member on Will and Grace back in the day. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought it was. I don't know. I'll I'll run it past you. Bilber's wife is in the entertainment industry, and she's a okay. producer, but she's also done some acting. And I yeah. thought it was kind of a miss since the wife wasn't there in every scene that they could have had Nia, his wife, as his actual yeah. wife in the film. Yeah. I thought that was a miss. Yeah. Because they did have some controversy a couple of years ago. Bill Burr got himself in controversy because he said some negative things about some people that were attacking his his wife. <laughs> yeah. But he Which didn't he didn't walk up on he didn't walk up on the Oscar stage and slap somebody, did he? No, uh some activists said that he used his wife and child as a black shield to be a uh secret racist or something. And he's oh, like okay. Yeah, he's like you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he was not impressed with that line of reasoning. <laughs> yes, yes. Shocking, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's shocking that he would uh, call it out exactly how he sees it. Uh, yeah, that's kind of his shtick, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I got upset uh, because he was in Mandalorian and that uh, female MMA was in The Mandalorian. And I yeah. thought their characters were great. And then she made some comment can't even remember what it was and she was fired from the mandalorian like they made a big thing like disney fires whatever her name was you know for these comments and it's like oh okay but you know it's the same when they fire directors for tweets from 2001 right i don't even like, remember you have, to, you have to understand like the the cultural humor level of our society has gone drastically down like you know what i mean yeah i mean the shock comedy of the early 2000s it was intentionally offensive. Like that was the point. It, uh, yeah. American Pie was supposed to offend your sensibilities, and that's why it was funny, you know, at the time. Which, uh, or like, uh, oh, what the hell is the one with Robert Downey Jr.? Iron Man. No, 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 no. The comedy no, movie he was in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tropic Thunder. <laughs> Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and I don't, I don't know. You know, like some of this stuff, like idiocracy and the the phrases and words and and names they call each other is done. It's it's done not just to shock, but it's there's a point. You know, something. And I think if you're not shocked, even if it's not an offensive shock, but if you're not shocked, like it doesn't cause you to evaluate society or why why can someone vape in a in, at a music venue. But I can't bring in a cigar and lighter to the music venue. But somebody can vape and I can smell cotton candy the whole performance. You know what I mean? Right, which is putting just glycerin and whatever is in it. Yeah. It's not uh, yeah. regulated by the FDA. So we really don't know what's in it. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, I mean, you know, and so if you don't have some of these shocks, it doesn't cause you to evaluate your life or society not that every movie needs to do that but the good movies give you something to think about even if you don't agree with it right and i thought the movie with aspen coming back they did a really good job showing not to necessarily talking about but showing that like culture of silence that people have around the wokeism yeah. because if you disagree with the wokeism like at your workplace or at a <laughs> event like yeah. you have to keep quiet and you can talk about it in hushed tones and that's acceptable as long as nobody else can hear you, you know, because yeah. then they'll report you, even though they might think the same thing. They get street cred for reporting you, yeah. you know, and it's very much that like uh, Soviet style system where you self-censor, right? Yeah. You know that you have to self-censor. Yeah. And if you're uh, in in uh, in a discussion and even if you're right, you're not right in the eyes of HR or the management or whatever. You know, I mean, it, it's a very kind of on-the-nose movie, Old Dads, for the time that it was made, being 2023. Right. And I, I mean, like I say, I don't even disagree with a lot of the themes. Obviously, Bill Burr was doing the Bill Burr character, which is... Yeah. Uh, he's, well, that's his watched, Well, I've read interviews with, it, uh, with him, and he, like, uh, takes what he thinks, and then he tries to amp it up like he's his drunk dad. 
Yeah. Right. Like he's try he amps it up past what his normal limit is. Yeah. And uh, they, they talked about him going to therapy, which he does. He's a big advocate of people going to therapy yeah. uh, who have anger issues, which he does, you know. Yeah. But he's also aware of it. Yeah, I didn't get the sense that this was like some like anti-woke anthem. No, no, I don't think that was the message. And, you know, but that's kind of what people thought of when they saw, well, Bill Burr's making a movie to, you know, combat the wokeness in Hollywood. And I'm like, I don't think that's really what it is, but it's, you know, definitely appealing to those people in the audience or those people in the country or in the world that, you know, aren't necessarily all rah-rah for a lot of the woke things that are going on. Right. I mean, you could read into stuff what you want, largely. It's not as ambiguous yeah, as yeah. Barbie was, obviously, yeah. but I actually discussed the Barbie movie last night with Al, friend of the show, okay. Al, yeah, and yeah. Uh, he hadn't watched it yet, and he was like, I don't know if I want to watch it. And I'm like, dude, it's possibly the best movie of 2023. Like, I I really yeah. liked it. Yeah. I thought it was great. <laughs> and he, he suggested that I watch the second Doctor Who special, because uh, okay. I did not like the first one, but he said the second yeah. one's a lot better. I saw the cl- I saw a clip from the from the first one and I was like I I can't can't do it. Well, I, I I quit watching. I think and we talked about this, Mike. I think I quit watching shortly after that Rosa Parks episode. Oh yeah, see, I watched the whole season, but that Rosa Parks episode like totally soured my gut. Yeah. I was like, this is ridiculous. And then even and then, for then, Doctor Who. Yeah, and I think it was when they were like, yep, so she was the original Time Lord, but not even really a Time Lord. She's a different species than everybody else, and the Time Lords, like, genes manipulated her to get the regens like she had, and blah, 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 and then basically retconned the entire Matt Smith storylines, and I was like, okay, I'm kind of out. Like, you know. uh, I never watched The Timeless Children, but I didn't want to. I heard about it. I'm like, "Mm." I mean, Doctor Who kind of plays a little loosey-goosey with that because it's been running for so long, you know, so not everything. They have their own little goofs or inaccuracies with their own timelines and stuff, but that one with uh, Jodie Whittaker was basically retconning some of the best Matt Smith episodes, so. Right. Well, and they retconned the Dr. Donna storyline in the new special. And my biggest issue with it was that they took 10 to 15 minutes of screen time and they put it solely towards political messaging instead of story development. Yeah. You know, and uh, you just can't do that and make a good TV show, you know? Yeah, and we talked about that too. And, and that, that's not what they were doing in Ahsoka. But, you know, if you've got a set runtime or, you know, a runtime you're aiming for, especially in TV shows... And you can get away with it with, you know, one-parters and two-parters and stuff like that. But you really can't be devoting a large chunk of your runtime percentage-wise to just flat-out political messaging, regardless of what side you're trying to message to. You know what I mean? And the one thing, not the one thing, there's a lot of things I learned in film school, but, you know, it's the show don't tell. So whatever your big, whatever your big, like, rah-rah thing is... Can you find a way to show it instead of having some character like just speak it? You know what I mean? It's the same with like PowerPoint presentations at work. Don't write all of your text on the fucking slide. Put some pictures and images and then you could read the words off of the notes section so people don't have to read with you. You know, like you're not putting up. It's a slide. It's not a page out of a book or your notebook. Like you can put pictures. It's okay. Right. Yeah. It's uh. yeah, it's just bad structure. Right. Yeah, Ahsoka, bad storytelling. Bad storytelling. Uh, uh, Ahsoka felt to me like every episode was like the bummer episode or like yeah. the slow episode in a series that is like eight years long. Right. Like you can have eight slow episodes in eight years, but you yeah. can't have every episode be that way in one year. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Well, the first, the first three or four episodes felt like, okay, we know we're doing eight episodes. We've really only got ideas for four episodes. So let's just stretch out the first episode into four episodes. And then we've got the other four already written, so we're good to go. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it was like filling time is what they were doing and not really getting much done in the way of storytelling or character development or anything like that. And I think they might have fallen into the trap of like, well, this is the first. I mean, it's not the first time because Ahsoka made appearances in Mandalorian, but it's like, hey, we're seeing some of these Rebels characters in real life for the first time so they kind of got a little carried away with that i think you know and caught up in that and like well we can we can take the time because everyone's going to love seeing these characters in live action yeah and they're attractive and people are going to be enamored with that you know yeah they really really use that to their advantage like sabine was played by an attractive actress and hera was played by an attractive actress 
and uh you know rosario dawson's an attractive actress so they can just have them on screen and people will not say anything yeah you know i wanted more of the sith not sith uh lady oh (laughs) the ukrainian supermodel yeah everybody was all fawning over like sabine and ahsoka and i'm like i could could go for more of the blonde sith like that's fine with me (laughs) i don't want to be thinking about that when i'm watching a star wars show yeah. That's my thing. Well, you know, Dave, if you're taking notes for uh, anything in the future with these characters, that's my note. <laughs> but old dads, there's not a lot to say about old dads. It's very simple. Oh, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's a simple, simple movie. comedy it's, it's movie. It's fine. I wouldn't yep. say it's like the greatest movie of all time. No. It did have a bowling alley. Yeah. It did yep. have a bowling alley. So, And maybe watching it a second time, I'd like it a little bit more because I kind of know what to expect now going into it. Because right. I wasn't really the only thing I knew really about going into it was it was kind of on the anti woke spectrum of woke, not woke, and it was Bill Burr. So knowing that Bill Burr wrote it or, you know, was even in it, you just kind of know it's going to be somewhat offensive in some parts. Right. I mean, it was, I, if I were to break it down very simply, the first half is Bill Burr doing a series of Bill Burr skits in the real world. Yeah. And then the consequences of his negative behavior build up to the point where there's a massive breakdown. And then there's like a couple moments of epiphany where he's like rock bottom. And then he tries to correct his negative behavior and survive in this world that he's a foreigner in. Yes. You know, and it's not like the anti-woke up yours uh, mentality. It's like we have to survive in this world. So accommodations are going to have to be made on my part to like not crash and burn you know yeah and i guess it's almost a little bit like the cowboys with john wayne where he's you know or even uh the shootist right where he's older and in the cowboys he can't get any hands to work for him so he takes all these i don't know like high school age kids like really young kids out on this cattle drive but he's the old guy, you know, and uh, and in the shootist, he's an age, he's a gunfighter, but they've got electricity and all the saloons and all the towns and automobiles and nobody rides horses anymore. And so it's kind of like coming to terms with aging out of kind of being relevant in society. Oh, I sure. I would say, you know. And that's a very relevant conversation. Like uh, we started watching Winona Earp, which is like a okay. Canadian sci-fi series. And okay. uh, so I was doing the back reading, you know, and I like all these characters from the Wild West. Everybody does. Uh, yeah, and yeah. I have older parents, so I watched a lot of Westerns. And uh, like all those old gunslingers lived into the modern age that survived, right? Yeah. Wider died well, in the you, 30s. You, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, like the Wild West was, uh, I don't know, like an eight-year span. Like it was not a long, like everyone thinks it was, you know, a long period of time, but it really wasn't. In the you kindest know, between... possible interpretation, it was 1868 to uh, 1898. So at most 30 years, years. but not really. People think it was like 100 years worth of time, but it it wasn't because, you know, technology was advancing so fast with your refrigerated cars for beef and cattle and, you know, expansion and progress and and all that stuff. So yeah, Wyatt's ride was like a month. Yeah. 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 It's progress. That's exactly why it died off is these guys went out there and like were crazy. And then the railroad came through and then they couldn't be crazy anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Like, uh, I found it very interesting. The big nose Kate was a pauper. She died a pauper in like, uh, Arizona, apparently build, built housing for the miners and all these like Western okay. frontiersmen that couldn't survive in modern society. Okay. And she lived till 1940. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, and a lot of these, uh, characters, they just couldn't adapt to post, uh, frontier life, you know? Yeah. So, well, I remember we went to uh, little bighorn mm-hmm. Custer's last stand. And there, one of the tour guides said that one of the people that survived the battle was then flown out in a plane to see the site of the, the massacre again. <laughs> you know, So can you imagine you're riding horses out and fighting off Native Americans? And then later in life, they're like, hey, hop on this plane. Let's go look. Show, show us around the battlefield. You know, like just technology moving that fast, you know, or uh, things. So, Oh, sure. Like if you were born theoretically at the right time and you lived a long life, you could have mem- remembered the Civil War and World War II. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And there's a big difference between level technology. (laughs) Yeah. And battle styles and all that stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, I put my cigar down because my fingers are burning, but I liked it. I like it as well. I still have like an inch and a half left. Okay. 
That must have been the uh, Idiocracy episode that got me. Yeah. <laughs> well, you were doing a little bit more talking, which is fine with me. So Absolutely. Uh, oh, uh, this is our episode right before Christmas. Oh, uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays, uh, whatever, whether you celebrate or don't celebrate, secular or religious. Well, uh, uh, here's... I hope that you have a good time with your family. I agree. I agree. Right, Mike. I was going to say, I uh, I always follow the war on Christmas because it's like a narrative okay, in yeah. right wing circles, yeah. and I think it's hilarious. Yeah. So in the United States, 94% of the population actively celebrates Christmas, uh, which means 6% don't. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that they uh, get all spun up about the birth of Jesus and the religious reasons, but as a, as a society, as an American culture, we all celebrate Christmas, even if well, we're agnostic or atheist, right? Here we, here we go with the stats, right? Okay, yes. So 94% of the country actively celebrates Christmas, but only 67% of the country is quote-unquote Christian. And okay. half of them are not active participants in Christianity. Like they're Christians in name only, right? They're not. Yeah, yeah. They might never go to church. Like it's literally. They identify as, but they are not active. Right. And then of the 6% that don't celebrate Christmas, a lot of them are the Christian people. Because a lot of Christians don't actually celebrate Christmas. They think it's pagan. You know, the hardcore fundamentalist yeah. Christians a lot of times don't celebrate Christmas. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's largely a secular holiday, uh, which why I get a kick so much out of like the war on Christmas narrative, because it clearly the people who are the most against Christmas are the most hardcore Christians yeah. in this country. <laughs> you know, it's like, who yeah, doesn't I mean, you know, celebrate? Like, I mean, I have a fucking Christmas tree in my uh, living room right now and Sarah's an atheist yeah. and she insists on having it, yeah. you know, <laughs> so. It's yeah, always and, interesting. You know, I mean, the corporatocracy loves Christmas. Like, they would never have a war on Christmas because they love selling all their stuff and people buy stuff. So, no, they just want to complain about the year's new Christmas ornaments that don't yeah, necessarily or new, support. Or the new Starbucks Christmas holiday cup, you know, that was a, big <laughs> one a few years ago, remember? Yeah, I do remember. I do remember. Uh, this year, uh, one that hit my radar was uh, a Santa Claus that was black and in a wheelchair. And people were, okay. it made it to Fox News. Like they were really mad about it. It's like, why would you even, okay. why would you, why do you care about uh, a Christmas a ornament? Made up, a completely made up entity. <laughs> yeah. It's a Christmas ornament that yeah. you don't have to buy that other people want to buy. I buy all kinds of Christmas ornaments. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I have well, a cigar like, and why can't Santa Claus be black or in a wheelchair? Like, who cares? He flies around in magic reindeer dust. Like, it, it doesn't it, matter. It literally far, doesn't matter. As far as I know, he's still wearing the red suit. You know what I mean? Like, what's the difference? You yeah. don't have to if buy you it. Can, if you can get on board with Tim Allen assuming the mantle of Santa Claus, like, nothing else should bother you. You know, like, every... And that's one of the coolest things is uh, my parents had a... They were little ceramic Santas. And okay. it was from each different country. And so the different Santa outfits, like some were in green outfits, some had, you know, long pointy stick up hats and some had the floppy kind of red hat. Some were more maroon. They had different, you know, bags or uh, accoutrements on their suits. And it was just kind of a nice, like through the different, they're mostly European countries, you know, Christmases and USA and, and stuff. But well, Christmas is originally a European uh, yeah. holiday that has long roots before Christianity. Oh, yeah. Um, well, and, and Santa Claus wasn't in the Bible, I don't think, unless I missed that chapter. <laughs> uh, I think he was with the Easter Bunny. He was in the same yeah. chapter with the Easter yeah, Bunny and, and the and dinosaurs, Cupid. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I always get, like I say, <laughs> this year, it made it to my radar that they were, uh, it made it to the news again. That yeah. they came up with some nutcrackers that had some colorful garb. Instead of like the traditional red, they had like purple okay. or whatever. I'm like, why do you even care? Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Does it matter that there's a nutcracker out there with a different colored shirt? <laughs> like, yeah, you don't have they to don't buy have, it. <laughs> they don't have any problem when the nutcracker is dressed in your uh, football team's jersey, right? They mm -hmm. sell those. Nobody gets up in arms about that. Yeah. Why would you? It's a, yeah, who cares? A, it's a nutcracker. Yeah. It's That's a big deal. <laughs> like it doesn't matter does it <laughs> yeah it's not like race swapping isaac newton well yeah <laughs> that's where it starts to get sticky or uh anne boleyn or yeah. i mean if you uh, have like real historical people 
then it's different. If you have made up people, it doesn't really matter. Like as long as you're true to the source of the made up stuff, like Ariel, the little mermaid being black, who cares? It's a mermaid, you know, right? It, it's irrelevant. I mean, in the original cartoon, you know, there's seven daughters of uh, King Triton or whatever because of the seven seas. So each mermaid reflects a separate sea and Ariel reflected the Red Sea or whatever. So it makes sense that she has red hair. It would but, make more sense if she was Semitic. Yeah. If, you know, the Red Sea is in uh, the Middle East, you know, or yeah, the yeah. Africa, Middle East area, you know, she could be Ethiopian. Yeah. You know? Whatever countries, I don't even know what countries are on the Red yeah. Sea. So I, mean, I apologize for my lack point of is, geography. It doesn't, yeah. The point is, it doesn't matter. I mean, they're made up characters. Right. You know, made up fictional things. Like the Easter Bunny, does the Easter Bunny have to be white, a white rabbit? Can it be a brown rabbit? Can it be a gray rabbit? Right. Like, it doesn't matter. You get upset about, is, is it a floppy eared bunny or is it a pointy eared bunny or. Come on, like, what are we doing? It's a fictional thing. It's made up. It's a fictional story that has evolved over time, and it's going to continue to evolve over time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, Coca-Cola does not own Santa Claus. I, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they own the Coca-Cola polar bears, but. Right. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And I enjoy it. That's, I, I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, everybody, I hope you have a Merry Christmas <laughs> and a Happy New Year and all that Merry sort of Christmas, stuff. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Even if you don't celebrate anything this time of year, it's still close to the end of the calendar year. You'll probably be spending some time with family with the time off of work. So enjoy that time with your families. Be safe. Have fun. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.